mic sometimes. It helps people gauge how close they should be to the mic, or maybe people are just like hearing themselves. Can't. Oh, I see. <laughs> <laughs> I've never done a podcast. I love hearing myself talk. <laughs> you might think that <laughs> when I was teaching. <laughs> okay, that, that seems all right to me. Yeah. And uh, so, uh, how you how you been? What's Fine. going on with you? Uh, uh, well, let's see. Uh, in the summer, I have, I'm a teacher, so. Uh, well, during not the summer, you're also a teacher. Right. <laughs> nah, are we starting now? What? Are yeah. we starting? You're well, going to you know, edit. Yeah. You, oh, you're going to edit it. I see. Well, no. Uh, yes, yes and no. Okay. Um, let's see. I am a teacher uh, uh, during the school year, and then on the off-season, I'm an artist. And uh, it's summer, so I am making tons of art, tons and tons of art. All right. What kind of art? Uh, well, I started out with woodworking, and then I am, I'm morphing into using paper. Right. Okay. Hold on a second. I'm just going to turn off my phone. Okay. I forget. Do you have a cell phone? Do you own a cell phone? No, I don't have a cell phone. <laughs> Isn't that a thing? That, that'll be a thing on the podcast. People will go, what? <laughs> she doesn't have a cell phone. Why, why is that? Why don't you have a cell phone? I don't want to be that accessible. <laughs> it's true. I, I don't. You know, is I'm, that why it took you a week to answer my email? What email? Oh, I wasn't looking at that email. I wasn't looking at that email account. Yeah. Because, you know, again, I'm off. Yeah. Know, and if I look at it, it means something's happening, and then, and then I'll have to attend to it because yeah. I'm very... Um, Try not to, not to knock the table. I know. That, but, all right. I, I talk with my hands. Well, that doesn't matter when we're on a podcast. But I know. Yeah. I, I know. But that's why I keep hitting stuff. Oh, well, I guess it does matter then. Yeah. Right. Um, now... Uh, how long have you been at, you teach at Northwestern Connecticut Community College as, as in the arts department. How yeah. long have you been there? 20 years. <laughs> That's a long time. 20 years. Yeah. And I really love it though. I really, I really love working, uh, uh, at the community college level. I think it's really a good place to be. You're in the arts department, but you're, it's not exactly, you're not based in the arts building. You're. Teaching graphic design? Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, well, it is in the art department overall, but it is, um, you know, <laughs> I've always found that graphic design somehow ends up away from the yeah, art department. Because it's not exactly it, traditional media. It's not uh, like drawing or painting or something like uh, that. No, it's not like drawing or painting, but it certainly is. I would say, uh, I think it was in the Bauhaus when they officially recognized... Um, uh, graphic design as a medium, right? You know, uh, you know, but it's certainly, as you know, um, media and graphic design are all art forms, wouldn't you say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you you have do you have a degree in graphic design? Or oh, that's a good story or a good question because uh, I have a master's in uh, new media. That's what they called it at Maine College of Art. I got my master's at Maine College of Art in 2001. Um, and at that time, it was called new media uh, because it was a new medium, this yeah. kind of digital video. I think at the time I thought, what happens 10 years from now or 20 years from now um, when – it's not new anymore. It's just media. So, yeah. but I did get my degree there in uh, in Maine College of Art in and, in new media. And where did you get your bachelor's? Oh, Plymouth State College in New Hampshire. So a, a little small liberal arts college in uh, the White Mountains of New Hampshire. In, in what field? Uh, printmaking. Oh, okay, printmaking. <laughs> yeah. So there was a, there's a connection between printmaking and graphic design for sure. Okay. And were you always interested? In arts, making art? Uh, that's another. When I went to school, um, I was a PE major. I wanted to be a, <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to be a PE teacher. Wait, what? Really? Yes. <laughs> it's not that funny, but. That- <laughs> and then I took a ceramics class and said, oh, this is where I should be. And that's how I did it. Um, my mother's also an artist, so. Okay. Well, I, um, what does she do in terms of art? Uh, she she does watercolor primarily. When I when I was young, she was getting her a uh, master's in art, and I watched her, you know, do that. <clears throat> so there's been art around our family a long time. Now, um, 
we're kind of going backwards. Went from your master's to your bachelor's now. And now we're going <laughs> to, wait, where exactly are you from? Where was I born? Or where I'm like, from? Um, all of it. I mean, I, I know a lot of times people are raised somewhere they're not born. So Oh, true. Uh, well, I, my father was in the military, so I traveled all over the world. Okay. So I saw a lot of different things. I think. But, but where's your launch pad? Like where? Where was I born? Bamberg, Germany. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And now I'm in Torrington, Connecticut. So go figure. <laughs> and how often did you move growing up? Oh, uh, probably once every two years. So I did I you ever end up staying in a place like for for a while? No, always moving. When you're so when you like introduce yourself to people, where what exactly? Would you say in terms of like where you did your primary growing up? I I tell them my father was in the military and most people go, oh, and they, you know, nod their head like they understand what that was about. Right. And so born in Germany and then like what can we run down the places you lived? Oh, well, all over the East Coast. So um, Kentucky, New York, West Point, which is where the uh, U.S. Military Academy is, Mm -hmm. Army. Uh, and the exotic places I lived in England. I went to high school in England. <laughs> England is exotic. <laughs> well, oh, in the Philippines, which is also okay. that's pretty exotic. Okay. Uh, and then, of course, uh, <clears throat> let's see. Those are the exciting places, but mostly, um, mostly the East Coast. Okay. And you said you went to high school in England. I went to high school in England. Where in England? Was it like near? <laughs> Uh, I went to a school, military school in Hertfordshire, which is Hert, Hertfordshire. Hertfordshire, yes. So yeah, and I lived there for two years in England, so that was good. As a as a you know a teen, so I I wasn't really young. Sometimes when you're moving from place to place, you're young, you don't get yeah. it. But uh, I was I was in my teens in in England, so I really got to experience. I remember it very well. And what experience? What exactly were you? When were you in England? In New uh, <laughs> A long time ago. <laughs> but I was in, <clears throat> let's see, I was probably my junior and senior year of high school in England. And I, again, I get, and I lived uh, what they call on the economy, meaning um, live with the English people. Right. Sometimes military, like when we were in the Philippines, we were on a base, an army base. Right. But in England, we lived um, with the English people. So I... I met, you know, I lived with the English people. I was in their culture. And uh, if you could give me a time frame, like during, was this? Um, uh, that was in 1976. That means you were there when like the, British uh, punk broke or something like that. Uh, yes, correct. And so. But I was, didn't really. I saw Queen though. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so if you were living in England during the 70s. Yes. Um, <clears throat> what that mean, were you like aware of like the, and absorbing the culture, the music, the, uh, the art? Uh, definitely the culture. As I said, I lived with the uh, English people, but we kind of lived out in the countryside. So it'd be like here. Uh, right. if you live out in the country, there's what's going on in their little towns. But if you lived in New York city, you would know all the, the bands, the rock and all that stuff. So, uh, I feel like my experience was, um, more about the rural, you know, being in England, um, in a rural place, not, not the city. Okay. So no, and no influence by, about, uh, the sex pistols which yeah. you're talking about. No. <laughs> Um, you, so you graduated from high school in England, yes. right? Mm-hmm. And then you went straight to New Hampshire? I, yes. <laughs> we had a, we had a summer cottage in New Hampshire, so that was, oh, okay. you know, as a military, as a person in the military, um, New Hampshire became our base because every summer we'd go back to New Hampshire. And- right. So. Plymouth State College yes. is a school. Where yes. is that in New it's Hampshire? In, uh, it's in Plymouth, New Hampshire, which is just outside of the, from the White Mountains. And okay. Again, I studied, went in studying uh, phys ed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he thinks that's funny. And uh, ended up studying art, which was a good trans- transition. Now, when you, when you say you were studying physical education, what it, what exactly would lead you to think 
about about studying that? Phys ed? Uh, yeah. Because I was uh, very, you know, active, played basketball, played softball, yeah. rode bikes, you know, but, just was active. And so the aspiration was just was to um, teach children. Um, gym. Yeah, be, gym. A gym te- be a gym teacher, yeah. you know. <laughs> now I'm an art teacher at a college instead. <laughs> now, um, and you said... How long were you studying PE before you decided to do art instead? Uh, it was only the first year. I, uh, Like I say, I started taking the general classes, English, math, you know, general classes. And I took an art course, ceramics, and then I took uh, started taking the PE courses, kinesiology, you know, all kinds what of... What exactly is that? Kinesiology is the study of the body, like how the body moves, muscles, okay. you know, so... It, um, and that was, as you can imagine, uh, uh, intense, you know, and I, I much more enjoyed ceramics than I did kinesiology. So I was like, why? Well, I think I should, <laughs> should, should study art instead. Now you don't exactly do ceramics now. No. Which means what exactly was the progression from like you taking a ceramics class to like taking other art classes to getting into like graphic design or new media, as they say, as they said back then? Uh, well, I think what's interesting about my evolution in new media is that I started from the ground up. You know, I'm old enough to remember life without computers at all. And then it slowly came into being. Whoops. <laughs> it slowly came into being. And um, I got a job at Hartford Art School as a uh, technician, a uh, graphic design technician. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a room full of uh, computers, little Mac classics. It was the first Mac lab uh, at at um, um, University of Hartford. So I, I grew up with the technology. You know, I remember two programs, and now there's a billion programs. So how did I end up into graphic design? That was that was where the job opening was at okay. Hartford Art School. And do you remember the first your first computer? I do. <laughs> it was a little Mac Classic. Yeah. And you know what a Mac Classic is, right? Uh, kind, maybe maybe yeah. not. Uh, Black and white. What what year was that? that? Uh, my, uh, the year I started at um, Hartford Art School was uh, 80, let's see, 89, 1989. Okay. And you you remember like the progression of like, what was was technology in um, like computer the um, your refinement of computer technology was it as fast as say now would you did you see like new models coming out like every year and like you could see, you could notice the progression of where it was going uh, yes I, it got more and more complicated it started out with just a uh, black and white you know little black and white monitors and the monitors got bigger and the machines got more powerful. Uh, the programs got more complicated and sophisticated. Uh, for example, um, there was a 3D modeling program that would fit on a floppy disk, which mm-hmm. sounds unbelievable and those, today. And those floppy disks, they had a capacity of like... Two meg. Two, two, two megabytes. It could like... Yeah. <laughs> it, could, it could fit like a one-minute instrumental song. It, <laughs> yes. And it, it fit a whole... 3D modeling program really? at the time. And then, again, everything got more complicated, more sophisticated. Uh, another kind of turning point in the progression of computer technology was the program director, which was the first program that was an- for animation. And uh, we made a little smiley face, and it went across the screen, and we all we lost <laughs> our minds. We lost our minds. Holy crap, it moved. I know. Look, at it's moving. Um, when I was in graduate school in 1999, um, you couldn't listen to a song on a computer and use the program at the same time. <laughs> I know he thinks this is funny, but this is the way it was. It had no RAM. It just <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just yeah. They had no RAM. The Mac classes had uh, four megabytes of RAM. Uh, that's what it came on board with oh, that. Man. Yeah, and again, two programs and. It was just completely a different world than it is today. Like today's, it's phenomenal. 
Oh, and when also in 1999, there was no internet. We didn't have the internet. Yeah. Now, um, based on uh, my time spent with you, I've seen you have a p- particular way you use a mouse. Oh, yes. <laughs> because it looks backwards. <clears throat> oh, it is backwards. <laughs> <laughs> you already tell that story? Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> again, I'm, I'm talking about the history um, of the evolution of using the Mac, especially in the graphic design industry. And I was hired as an artist in uh, 1990. Uh, no, be 89 again. No, 90. Must have been 1990. <clears throat> I was working as a graphic designer in a, um, in a production company. And uh, they brought these Macintoshes in. And they said, okay, here, you learn them. Just, just learn it. They just gave it to the artists, the production artists. We were doing paste up and stat camera and all linotrons and things like that and uh so there was a <clears throat> a little tv with a video say a, a cassette recorder video vhs yeah we stuck it in there and there's a guy in a in a white uh lab coat mm-hmm. telling us how to use the macintosh and um <clears throat> my friend and i were looking at the mouse you gotta remember we didn't know what how much what what a mouse was yeah. it's a brand new technology and so we figured the the cord comes off the end <laughs> like like you know everything right. else a toaster cord comes off the end so we i started using the um mouse with the cord coming off the end which is of course upside down <laughs> so and i've i've tried to uh, periodically i tried to change but now i was like i oh, forget it <laughs> You think that's funny? Yeah, it is. Because, <laughs> well, because, you know, anyone who grew up using a regular mouse could notice, oh, you move it up, then the, then the cursor goes up. Yeah. And then- well, for me, it's the opposite. And I, I have, to this day, I have students say to me, you know, using the mouse upside <laughs> down. I'm like, I've been, I've been teaching for 20 years. I think I understand that <laughs> <laughs> it's like you're playing a video game but you have the like the aiming mechanics inverted yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh interesting enough i i really am a spaz when it comes to video games i really don't i can't play them because i'm too spastic yeah you know, I, I just yeah what does that mean uh I, like i i just can't figure out how to do it and everything happens way too fast <laughs> Not interested in video games. <laughs> you're more your pong is more your speed. Is that uh, maybe? <laughs> I'd still spaz out on that. I think <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> now, um, so you got, so you go to Plymouth State. Yes. You get you start studying phys ed, but you move to art. Uh, yeah, I changed you, over to printmaking. Printmaking. You get a degree in printmaking. Yes. Now I'm not really. I don't really understand what printmaking is. Yeah. What exactly is printmaking? Well, uh, it's it's kind of the precursor to graphic design before we had computers to do all the work. It's for analog us. graphic design. Is that what in it a is? way? Yes. I mean, I did silk screening. I did um, uh, relief printing. All the different kinds of printmaking techniques. Okay. So, but right. Uh, Northwestern, where you get, went to school, has no printmaking. So, but mostly I focused on silkscreen, which everybody understands that. What? Well, what exact? So, but how exactly does it work? Silkscreening, or no, I mean, uh, like printmaking in general. What, uh, I don't. I still don't quite understand like what what it means to printmake, like the um, the mechanics behind it. What exactly? Happens. Uh, well, it depends on what you're what. what what you're doing, let's say silk screening. Uh, in silk screening, you have a uh, kind of a mesh, and you put a stencil on top of it, mm-hmm. similar to if you were going to tag something. If you're doing spray painting, you'd have a a um, a stencil, mm-hmm. and then you pour the ink on it. And you take a squeegee and and rub the squeegee over it onto a shirt, and whatever the stencil was will show up on the the uh, right, okay. shirt. So that's silk screening, and then uh, let's say relief printing. Everybody's done like uh, linoleum block printing. Did you do that in school? I'm not sure what you just said. So, L- so no. <laughs> L- linoleum block print printing? No. No, I've never heard of that. No. Oh, okay. So y- you take a linoleum, a piece of um, wood that has a piece of linoleum on it, which is soft, mm-hmm. and you take a, a gouger and you gouge a uh, image in it. You just, you know, 
and you want a leaf, let's say, you just, you know, um, sculpt out a leaf mm-hmm. and you put ink on top of the uh, linoleum and you put a piece of paper on it and rub it and pull it off and you get a print of it. Oh, okay. So that, yeah. But then they, then they didn't do anything with art for a long time. Or I was working at a silkscreen place, you know, as a production manager at a silkscreen shop. I did that for a while. Where? Uh, in New Hampshire also. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then um, then for a while I was just working in, in as a bartender and a waitress for a while to make ends meet. <laughs> <laughs> you mean you were being an artist? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wasn't doing any art at that for, time. But uh, So how, how long were you in New Hampshire for? Oh, a long time. I was in New Hampshire for, uh, let's see, probably 10 years. And I from, moved around there. From the, so like from the time you were starting school and then past... And so, like six years after you graduate, you were in New Hampshire, not not exactly um, doing art, but just making ends meet, <laughs> just just making a living. You know, making a living, trying to. <clears throat> when, when you're in your twenties, I think you, you just kind of you experiment, you try to figure out uh, what you're doing. But during that doing. time, weren't you like in the back of your mind, you were just like, but I want to like just make stuff. Uh, no. <laughs> no, I just, I really didn't do much art in my 20s. And then uh, I got the job at uh, Hartford Art School uh, in at, in 98. Is that what brought you down to Connecticut? I met somebody who got married okay. to somebody who's from Connecticut. And that's how I ended up in Connecticut. Okay. And didn't you um, get like a master's in education at the University yes, of Hartford? Yes, I did. At Hartford? Uh, at with- uh, U of H, yep. Okay. And. Where you were working there as a technician at the Hartford Art School, and then during that time, you all you got your master's in in education. Yes. Okay. Uh, let me see if I can get the timeline right. You you came down to Connecticut when? In uh, in eighty eight, I would say. Okay, and then at some point, you went to graduate school at the Maine College of Art in Portland, Maine. In yeah, in two thousand and one. So I I got my degree. I got a master's in education. I would say in the mid '90s. Then I got my job at uh, Northwestern, and then in 2001, I went to Maine College of Art and got a second master's degree uh, in fine art, MFA. I'm not very knowledgeable about art schools, um, especially in the United States. Were you looking at many art schools to to, to get a master's degree? What ma- what exactly made the Maine College of Art Jump out to you? Uh, they had a low residency program. Oh, okay. Meaning, oh, I that could, make that makes sense. Yeah, I could still work full time. I also had small children at the time, uh, and I I could work full time and still get my master's. And I, the the master's degree in um, at Maine College of Art was excellent. It it like changed my whole uh, art making. Outlook. I want you know. It made me want to uh, make art. You know, like as I mentioned, I didn't do a lot of artwork for a while, and then I went to the main College of Art, and uh, I became like a professional artist after that. When did when did you stop working at the Hartford Art School at the University of Hartford? Uh, ninety six. Okay, when I got my job. Because I was thinking that, um, like depending on when the time frame of when you were working at the Harvard Art School. Why I was going to ask like why didn't you just get a master's degree there? Did they have a program for this like newfangled new media or back then or No. no? <laughs> they okay. did not. They and the only reason why I started making digital work is because I was at Harvard Art School as I mentioned as the technician there uh, and I was working with computers and it was my job to teach students how to use a computer. Uh, I wasn't um, in the classroom, but I was the person in the lab helping people. Right. And so I realized I had a, a flair for it. And so uh, I kind of embraced the technology as it as I grew skill-wise as the technology got more complicated. Okay. So how, how long is that program at the Maine College of Art, this, pro, this MFA? Uh, the... Uh, low residency MFA at um, Maine College of Art is two years. Two years, mm-hmm. and because it's low residency, that means you like what? What does that mean? Um, I'm not well, sure what that means. Uh, you you go there for the summer for eight weeks, and you're in there in an intensive, and they have theory classes, which was also great. That that was another thing that kind of pushed my uh, 
my desire to make art, this theory, mm-hmm. learning theory, reading about uh, reading letters from famous artists and reading um, um, all kinds of philosophy about art making, all that I thought was, uh, you know, kind of trained my mind to be a better artist. Right, okay. And then, um, uh, what was I saying about that? <laughs> I forgot what I was saying about that. <laughs> now, I was not really knowing much about um, these MFA programs or whatever. I, I, was on, I was under the assumption that low residency meant you didn't, so you weren't, you're not at the school. Yeah, that's a lot. And it's like you go in there maybe a few, weeks. T- a few times. No, right. it was eight weeks. That's okay. what I'm saying. Eight weeks in the summer in Portland, Maine. Very awesome. And then on the off season or during work, we would have local uh, mentors mm-hmm. um, uh, helping us. Uh, we continued to make art. We continued to write papers. We continued to um, um, check in with our advisors. Right. Um, and I, the first year I worked work with a uh, teacher at Maine College of Art. He was a professor at uh, Maine College of Art. That's who I had the first semester or the first year. And then the second year I worked with a couple in Brooklyn who would, who were working with uh, media also. Mm-hmm. Both of those people, uh, George LaRue at Maine College of Art. And then um, the, uh, what were their names? It was a, can't remember the names of the people that were doing in Brooklyn, but I, I learned a lot going down there too. Um, you know, seeing more what was happening in the city, but in both the whole time I was doing new media, I was learning new media, you know, uh, film and well, I wouldn't call it film. I call it video mm-hmm. more, okay. more experiment. You know, film is, I think different than video. Don't you think? Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say there's a big difference, especially now, because if you think about the modern landscape of, filmmaking you know most of it's digital and so the way i look at it video production the way we think about it now it's essentially digital filmmaking for commercial purposes you know in film it's um you you're making like narratives or documentary right and for as part of like someone's uh vision for a project but like video production it's it is a for commercial purposes like music videos commercials promotional content for a company stuff like that yep yep instead of so you would say film is more like narrative and uh, it's it's the artsy part of it's the artsy side of the coin yeah that is film and i think of film and video production being the same set of skills just used used for different purposes oh right 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 they're both there's both sides of the same coin film is like the artsy side and then video production is more the um commercial side right i agree you when when did you first encounter um video making video uh let's see i was uh i was let's see i think i guess they asked me if i i would teach video and um, I had been doing experimental video at home um, as just kind of a sideline. I kind of taught myself that. And uh, I really liked it. I always thought of, you're going to like this, uh, the BC boys have a <laughs> have a, uh, a thing and they, they call themselves the scientists of sound. Well, I call myself the scientists of yeah. media yeah. because I liked the way the Beastie Boys would scratch mm-hmm. sound, and I do that a lot in my own video, back stuff up, move stuff forward, and scratch it in the same mm-hmm. way that they did. Um, that That's my style. Yeah. And, of course, uh, MTV was a profound influence on that because, uh, again, I'm old enough to remember when MTV was introduced to the world. And, and it, it actually played music videos? Yes, they actually did. And the videos were actually quite interesting. And, you know, it's not just uh, drinking beer okay. and driving a boat. It's They were real art forms, real small um, art forms, art videos. Yeah. For some reason, um, I kind of don't like music videos because when... Like most vid, it seems like there's, at least I think there's three 
different types of music videos. There are ones that are basically performance videos. It's not it's not a live performance, but it's a music video yes. made centered around them performing, like yes. just in a garage or something or in some place. Uh, whatever. And yeah. then there's another there's another one. There's another form where it's the, them trying to make like a short film that's got a whole narrative. Yeah. And but it's set to this music and it seems kind of pretentious to me. Yes. Like they're trying to make a music video more than it should be or right. whatever. <clears throat> and then there's the the more like abstract the art real artsy music mm. videos mm-hmm. where it's like um like they're really trying to play with um I think the best kind of examples I can think of are are you aware of Beck? Oh yes, of course. Um did you he had a music video Loser? Yeah. And have you heard his recent stuff? Uh, not, not within the last few years, but I, cause he had, he had this, um, this music video for a song called colors, uh, like a year ago, a couple of years ago. Oh uh, yeah. I don't know. He about wouldn't have seen it, but yeah. it's like very colorful. It was directed by Edgar Wright, the okay. guy who did Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, <laughs> okay. Scott Pilgrim versus the world. And there it's very, it's, it stars Alison Brie, an actress. And it's like very colorful, because it's called colors and it's (laughs) like it's got a bunch of like people and uh guys in leotards that also cover their faces and they're just like blue and yellow and they're on his raised platform and they're dancing and such and it's kind of you know it's stuff that's kind of like pushing what it means to like um film a thing and make into a music video yeah kind of like um maybe this is an example you'd be more familiar with like um Sledgehammer by Peter Gabriel. Oh, that's fantastic. Stop motion. Yeah. Yes. That that is stop motion. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and uh, or like um <clears throat> Take On Me by Aha. You think oh that's kind of like a performance video, no? <laughs> I mean sort of but <laughs> they they're blurred. the but, lines are but, blurred. But they're you know, it's not just them performing, it's the what is it? It's like a bunch of hand drawn uh Yes, some animation. Yeah. Yep, yep. What do you remember? When did you actually start doing video, making video? Um, I would say I really started doing it on my own, self-taught, around 2003. I was working for a a nonprofit in Torrington called Artwell, and they they always had these shows, and it would be like, oh, it's a cat show, do something about cats, you know? (laughs) So I would... I, I got myself a copy of um, Final Cut 4.5, which mm-hmm. is a great, great editing program. And um, I just started uh, making video. And again, it definitely lots of cuts, forward, backward, very abstract. Um, I wouldn't say I would sit down and write a story and then try to uh, animate that. I am more interested in terms of video, uh, uh, like, um, oh, the way those little branches are moving on that tree, and I would, I would um, film that, and then maybe do a lot of that, and then splice all those together in a kind of abstraction. Okay, are you enough of a like gearhead to remember like what the first camera you were using, or? Oh boy, it was a it was a Panasonic. It was a you know a camcorder, of course, and. Um, it was it was after the big chunky video. It was after video, so it was definitely digital. It wasn't um, like a VCR, one of the big chunky ones like that. But <clears throat> during my MFA, there was a woman um, named Susan Bickford who was doing video, so I watched her work quite a bit. Um, she had a fancy camera, but I, I just had a little Panasonic um, camcorder, and that's what I did. But again, I never considered that a... Um, uh, high art, I considered it a, a way to um, fulfill my creative need to make things. So, I think I think that's a a uh, a real trend throughout all my art making, and that is I have a need to make things. I continue to make things, mm-hmm. re- no matter what the medium. I can jump from medium to medium quite easily. Mm-hmm. So this this means you were doing you're you were doing video as part of like your curriculum at the main college of art, right? Uh, no, that no? wasn't, this is was after. Okay. Uh, I just started doing a video 
because I wanted to learn how to do it as, as fun. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, some art making for, <clears throat> for a main college of art or for uh, Artwell. Uh, and then again, a couple of years later, uh, Northwestern was working, said, Hey, can you teach digital video? And I said, Oh, well, I'll give it a try. <laughs> At least I had done it. At least yeah. I wasn't thrown right into the, yeah, you're going to teach that now. So now, um, when did you start teaching at Northwestern Connecticut Community College? That was in the 80 or 96, 96. Yeah. 96. You started out teaching what? I, I was always graphic design. Always graphic design. Yeah. Okay. Always graphic design. And then uh, it, it expanded out to first first video, then photography. So I got all that down. <laughs> <laughs> and were you was photography a thing you always messed around with? Uh, I had always taken pictures, but no, I wouldn't say a photography. And I still think that today I, I don't consider myself a photographer per se, but I certainly take photographs every single day. Okay. <laughs> that might make me a photographer. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I guess you could say uh, I sometimes market myself as a photographer because yes. like I do technically do I technically do have experience doing photography, um, but it's not quite as close to me as, say, um, videography using a camera to film things. Right. Especially because I don't take a lot of photos. Not like, like when you say you take photos, that's like recreationally, right? I take them for social media. Okay. Yeah, to advance my, I have to document <clears throat> all the artwork I make. Oh, right. You know what I right. mean? So I think, I think that when, when, when I say I, I take photographs, it's for social media. Are you saying you don't take photographs recreationally? No, not really. Just, because, just sometimes, sometimes through social media, <laughs> but almost always like, oh, I have nothing to post today. I'll go out and take a picture of that tomato. Because <laughs> that's, that's kind of where I am with photography. Yeah. I don't take photos recreationally. Right. If the closest I get is to like, to make um, like fine art photography. Right. Because I don't keep a lot of photos. The way normal people keep photos, they um, like, oh, they take a trip. They take photos of everything oh, yeah. they're doing. Yeah. And in my case, it's more for practical reasons. Like, say, if I need to remember, oh, when is this place open? I'll take it. I'll snap a photo of their hours on the door. Right? Uh, yeah. But, you know, eventually I'm going to, like, remember when they're open. And so I'm going to delete that photo because I don't need it. Right. And the the one photo that I keep on, say, my phone. It's not even a photo. It's a graphic of the circle of fifths, which is a which is a, a tool for musicians. People tend to look at me weird, like, you don't take photos? You don't keep photos? What What's wrong with you? Yeah. I'm like, well, I just, I don't, I don't like keeping a lot of clutter, like, in either physical media, like physical photos, or even digital photos. You know, I like to, like... My my devices, I like to keep them rather not cluttered. Not only that, but I told you uh, just a minute ago, I told you about like the way people take photos now. It's like they go to a place, they're always taking photos of yeah, everything. They're spending every second taking photos. And the thing is, if I were to you know go on a trip to like some faraway place, I would want to spend my time and energy being there instead of spending every second taking photos. I am going to agree with you. We, we've almost come full circle because remember, I don't have a cell phone. Yeah. <laughs> so my impulse to just take <clears throat> pictures of everything and I'm the same is not, I don't do that. And I'm the same as you. I don't like a lot of uh, digital clutter on my machines on, you know, I just keep everything, whatever's active. I keep on there on what my computer or uh, in the camera and then I get rid of it. Um, Sometimes I'll, again, for social media, I'll take a picture of installing a fan <laughs> and then I'll get a good shot yeah. of, of the fan whirring. So I kept that, you know, fan going, which is not easy to capture. And I did. Um, but um, I'm, I agree with you. If you should be where you are rather than take pictures of where you are. <laughs> it's like uh, the, the joke about uh, fireworks because we just went past uh, July 4th that people – 
instead of watching this phenomenal occurrence of these exploding um, fireworks in the sky, they've got a camera between them and and this phenomenon, you know? So I'm like, that's crazy. You got to watch it, you know? So I agree with you there. Let's let's jump to, we met um, when I was attending Northwestern Connecticut Community College in, um, I think, 2016. It's possible. Your first year, right? My first year there in fall of 2016, when I was in, I was enrolling in a in an in our program called digital media, and you are the advisor for that program. You're the program director, right? I wouldn't I wouldn't really call you the head of the department. No, arts, they don't have the, those of the arts department. <laughs> yeah, I think. In fact, I think there it's they have a department head, but it's English arts humanities. Yeah, there isn't really. But I I like I see you as one of the few like big figureheads who like are in charge of a lot of the arts things. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, mostly I think uh, it's because I run the gallery. So that get publicly, I mean, there's teachers that teach in school and everybody knows them. But um, as far as the bigger world goes, uh, I'm more um, known because I run the gallery. I do internships like where we are here at Farmington Valley Art Center. So I'm more more uh, phys- uh, visible. What's what? What is the breadth of the different courses you've taught there? So it's like graphic design classes, digital yeah. video, uh, digital imaging that I took with you. Yeah, uh, you do sometimes photography classes. I, I no, I've only <laughs> I did I taught photo one once, <laughs> you know, but I don't do like the dark room. Yeah, uh, I, I I man, I wouldn't be able to do that. <laughs> but um, is that is that does that cover it though? What else is just, there? In- just that, just those things: graphic design, um, dig- digital video, and digital uh, photography. Those three things. But also web design, no? Yeah, web web design is part of the graphic design program. Right. Yep. What was your introduction to? Um, Designing web pages, all that. Well, as I mentioned before, I'm self-taught because, again, when I started at Hartford Art School, not even – and also at the same time working at a a company, uh, computers became a – the desktop computer was kind of introduced on a mass scale Mm -hmm. while I was working in the industry. So, again, I have this kind of really good history of it or starting from nothing and going to what it is today. And so I, um, I taught myself all of those things. I taught myself web design. I taught myself, um, you know, digital video. I retaught myself formally photography <laughs> because I had to teach it. You know, everybody takes photographs. Everybody thinks they're a photographer uh, because of that phone. You know what yeah. I mean? So uh, the web design... Um, I learned web design. I, I took uh, a sabbatical. I took, you know, six months off of teaching and did all those tutorials online. That's how I learned how to uh, do web design. Do you remember the first the first bit you learned? Like, what was it, HTML or? Uh, there was a program called uh, PageMill, which is, <laughs> which was glorified email now that I look back on it, like you couldn't do columns, you couldn't, uh, all you could do was it had an interface and you could just put um, information. Again, you couldn't put columns, you could put an image, but it was on the next line. So that was my first uh, introduction to um, web design. And I really only I worked visually for a very, very long time. I didn't get into the HTML because there were these programs, Dreamweaver. Once Dreamweaver came about, uh, came out again, I worked purely visually. I didn't work with code at all. It took took a long time for me to uh, actually understand and work with code. So, and that that was a big deal as as far as teaching students properly because <laughs> I, before I was just like, Oh, I just do it. You know, now I can read code and it's important to know code. I have to say, even after taking a web design class with you, I don't know how to do I don't know how to do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think of all the pro, I mean, lots of people can learn illustrator. Lots of people can learn Photoshop, but I haven't learned any of those. Yet. Yes, you have. <laughs> uh, but web- I don't. I don't how to auto tone on yeah. Photoshop. That's about it. <laughs> I think uh, 
I think Dreamweaver is one of the, you know, the learning curve for um, web design is very high and that you're probably have more success if you're a programmer than if you are a visual artist because those two. Well, I'm neither of those things. (laughs) I think there's a (laughs) conflict for visual artists um, for programming. I really like web design, though. I really like the power of web design. Do you, um, when you teach web design, if you could teach me web design right now, (laughs) what would you, what would you try to tell people to, so they can understand like how the code works? Like if we in that class, interactive media at Northwestern Connecticut Community College. <laughs> um, plug, plug, plug. <laughs> yes. We used, the primary program we used was Dreamweaver. Correct. I can remember bits, vague, vaguely remember bits of how that worked. But I think it's because I just, I, I wasn't, I probably wasn't exposed to programming or. Plus you didn't the, want to do the it. Blank, <laughs> the language of, yes. Or the language of code early on enough. So I'm not. I really am not, I have no clue what, what it all means. Uh, I think I, uh, the first thing I do when I start to show people how to do web design is I bring out um, a set of Legos, uh, one of the bigger blocks. What are the big big blocks called? The mega they're The not, mega blocks? No. You know, Lego has the little blocks and then they have the little kid. Anyway, I bring those out and I show people, I make a website with the big blocks. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's a good example of um, if you were going to explain to people how web pages are made, they're made up of these things called div tags, which are basically blocks of space. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when they talk about pixels, they're, they're talking about um, web, web pages are made of pixels. So in mm-hmm. the corner, it starts at one, a zero, zero, and then... One, one, two, two, you know, and it go, goes on to a big grid there. Mm-hmm. And everything is fit on that huge grid. And so uh, if you're a trained designer, uh, it's easier to learn web design because you're still working in, in the grid format, um, even more so because it's much more structured. Um, so just think about uh, Legos and a building block. And if, if you want to keep it as a square, you can only use so many Legos. If you try to stick in one that's too big, the whole thing falls apart. So, Did you ever use programs other than Dreamweaver to do web design? Yeah, and I bet anybody listening to this will go, oh, Dreamweaver, that's so lame. Uh, it's pretty lame, but it's basically a, an interface so that you can work in HTML. So I think anybody could work any any um, HTML writer. It doesn't have to be Dreamweaver. Dreamweaver has a lot of uh, – it writes the code for you, whereas other programs, you are writing the code yourself. Yeah, but from what I recall using Dreamweaver, you don't have to write the code per se, but it's still like you have to go through what seems like 20 to 30 <laughs> mouse clicks in order to get what you want. Yes, uh, yeah, but if you wrote code, if you were a coder, you wouldn't do that. You'd just write it like a sentence. Yeah, but have you ever used something like, um, what is it called? Komodo uh, or... I don't know what that is. But um, like the only other program I know about is it that <clears throat> sounds close-ish to like Dreamweaver is Adobe Muse. Uh, that's different. Muse, Muse has a bunch of built-in templates, correct? Like a CMS. Yeah, <clears throat> specifically for people who don't want to be... <laughs> it's like... Um, for who people who don't want to be doing the code bit, right? Have you uh, ever used one where you don't use code? Oh, absolutely! Like Squarespace yeah. or Word WordPress, Squarespace, oh, shit. Perch, all kinds of. Uh, you just gave me. Uh, <laughs> Word, can I just say WordPress is shit? Terrible. Yeah. <laughs> it's terrible. If you're gonna make a website on your own, I would suggest Squarespace. The only yeah. upside to WordPress is it's free no yeah that's about it yeah because the way when we were learning wordpress in that class there's it's not intuitive correct it's just not intuitive yeah and so it feels like there's all these it's not nothing is organized (laughs) what i would say correctly right well it's not an adobe product so you were trained or learned on adobe products right yeah illustrator 
I think I think a lot of people have trouble, especially graphic designers, learning graphic designers have trouble with uh, web design because it is so structured. When you're when you're working in Illustrator, you can put anything anywhere. Yeah. Uh, with Dreamweaver, it's got to be here or here. It can't be oh a little over there, a little bit. You know, it's got to be specifically where you put it. And in the case of WordPress, it's just a mess. Yeah, WordPress is not. <clears throat> I think these are what they call content management systems, CMSs. I think they set up WordPress for people who absolutely have no intention of designing anything and they just want to stick the information, change the information on an already built page. But the thing is, if you need, if you are using WordPress. Yes. (laughs) And you want to like just change a thing or like for I'm, I have specific memories of using trying to learn WordPress and wondering like where they put this one certain thing. It's like three levels down in a particular pathway of clicks, but then it's also in another place like three levels up or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> that that yeah, it's counterintuitive. Yeah. That's that's why I'm saying uh, Squarespace is not like that. Uh, Squarespace is a lot more like. Um, um, Dreamweaver in the sense that you can just drag things around on the page and it'll go uh, where you want it to go. But uh, as, as in terms of uh, WordPress, you get what you pay for. <laughs> remember, remember you said it's, yeah. it was free? Yeah. WordPress is great if you buy a template that is much more sophisticated than the free version of WordPress. And then, then you may like WordPress, and but at, otherwise... But if you're paying for stuff at that point, you might as well just get Squarespace. Yeah, <laughs> Squarespace is so great. <laughs> My son, who's a coder, used to call it... Uh, he does call it the uh, video game of web design because <laughs> it's so, you know, easy to It is use. intuitive. Like, you just... It takes all the code out of the equation. Yeah, you can And even, so you can yeah, just... You, intuitively drag and drop things, make things like bigger, smaller. Mm-hmm. They, they act like windows, like on a, on an operating system, right? Like you can uh, just yes. grab the corner, make it bigger. Oh, like 10. Or, yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's what I was talking about. There's that underlying grid, uh, and we're uh, Squarespace completely, it, you know, creates the WYSIWYG for it. Mm-hmm. And if you move the Squarespace, uh, boxes around you can see them jump a little bit that's the grid the underlying grid mm-hmm. that is uh that you're working on right okay would you what would you try what would you say to um say a student like me that you had who is not much of a designer um is not doesn't really work well in tri- in a in graphic design or web design to what you mean whether you want a website or not or if you want um, a design like, um, site do you think i don't i really don't think i have my mind would works the way it should in order to grasp like design oh, right. to be a designer yeah I, because you know i have this degree in digital media and i think you know part of it is like kind of graphic designy stuff so but i feel like i'm so in a way, you could say I technically have training in that field, but it's not I, – I can't do it. Right. What would I say to those people <laughs> that don't do it? <laughs> you know, I don't I, – I, I think there's a – people have innate talents for things, and then they, they say, oh, I, I can really sing well. I want to be a singer, you know, and then they have to train themselves to do it. You know what I mean? Uh, for example, I'm right now teaching myself how to um, sew. I've never been good at it, but I'm going to force myself to do it. And I think um, I think all things like that, all all uh, skills, you just have to train yourself. You have to have the motivation, the inner motivation for it, and then you have to have the desire to do it to train yourself. I have I have this kind of mind where I'm I would I would say. I'm adept at like math and science. I can, I like looking at like the nuts and bolts of how like a system works and all that to the point where I've learned how to build a computer in, in a week or something like that. Yeah. Just because I vaguely knew like how all the parts, what all the parts did and how they fit together. 
It was just a matter of being able to look at it all big picture, see how it all fits together and know how each of the bits relate to each other to the point where I was like, oh, okay, that makes, that actually makes a lot of sense. But in the case of being a designer, like I'm not much of an artist. The reason I have a degree in digital media is because I don't work well in traditional media. I'm not, (laughs) I don't draw or paint very well, but then I'm also not great at most digital media because I'm, I don't, I don't really like doing graphic design or web design or photography. Really the thing I really want to do is like film, filmmaking. What, do you think do you think there there is a way in for me to like get into design based on my penchants for for filmmaking and this scientific mind I have in my background? I, I think that's a I think that's a good place to start. Uh, I, I think especially in the digital area, all those lines are blurred. Um, I think that you can be a great filmmaker, but you also need to know um, how to make a good-looking set of – you need some kind of design background for your – the way it looks, you know, um, uh, what am I trying to say? Like the trailer and the – even the type, you know – what kind of type are you going to use Comic Sans for everything? Are you going to use <laughs> Papyrus like they did in Serenity? Yeah. You know, the whole thing was Papyrus. And uh, all the graphic designers are going, oh, Papyrus. But, but anyway, do you see what I mean? I mean, yeah. I think in um, when you say you're not a good graphic designer, I think um, graphic design is uh, kind of the core of all the um, media um, because you just have to know how to make things look good. So I don't have any skills for design, really. But with the classes I took with you and uh, at Northwestern Connecticut Community College, I do have I, – I glean just a bit where I have the kind of uh, just a little, little bit of the mind of a designer where I can notice like you probably shouldn't have used yellow for the right. font that uh, you should – there's too much space in between those letters. You should fix the kerning. Right. Um, so I can – I have this framework by which I can look at something and be like, that could be fixed doing this. But I'm just not, I don't have like the digital hands to to really work with doing design, designing, you're doing like graphic design and, stuff right. and such. But I think you've got, you just described what you need to be a good filmmaker, the small amount that you have, you have enough knowledge to create something visual that's visually pleasing, I think. Uh, and then go on to, I, I know you like to write. I know you like to research. I know all those things. So, and, and those are important things. So I think everybody, when everybody looks at their skill base, I think, um, and if you don't know how to do it, you just train, train yourself in that small amount of that you need. You don't need to be the best graphic designer in the world to make a great movie and vice versa. It's like, I can, I think ultimately speaking, I can think about graphic design. I can have, I, I learned enough, just enough that I have a mind for design, but I just cannot do it. I just, for some reason I can't. Yeah. Well, you don't have to. (laughs) It's it's just like me and sewing. I'm going to force myself to sew, but traditionally I can't. I really can't do it very well. I don't like it very much, but I'm going to teach myself how to do it. <laughs> I, said, I, I love YouTube because, man, if you don't know how to do something, just look it up on YouTube yeah. and, and uh, you can watch it over and over again. I'm not quite sure what they said. You can back it up a little bit and say, oh, that's how you do that, you know? And it's visual on top yeah. of all that. Yeah, yeah I think, uh, I think um, video is very powerful in that way. Uh, you know, before, uh, before a, a YouTube or a just digital video on, um, the internet, you'd see something and you have no choice to, you can't look at it again and say, how'd they do that? how that, you know, now you can, you know, scrub back and say, oh, that's how it's done. You know, and scrub back, scrub back, look, 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 you know, and then you learn it that way visually. Yeah. So I think that that's, what's really powerful about, um, digital video, especially on the internet. Oh, well, I guess we're done. Okay. All right. Thanks. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Is that fun for you? It was all right. (laughs) 